topic this week, continuing out of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66, the new heavens and the new earth. Now our, uh, this is the last chapter in the book of Isaiah. It's not the last one we're going to look at, but uh, as we've been looking at the theme of last day events in the book of Isaiah, uh, this one fits in that order, this chapter, along with chapter 65, which we've already done. Uh, verse, starting in verse 1, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me, and where is the place of my rest? In other words, God is so big, he's sitting up there in heaven, and, and, uh, and earth is just a little, little place where he just puts his foot. There's a little place to rest his foot. And, uh, you know, we're not much, you know, in the, in the universe, in the, in the whole scheme of things. We're important to God because of the sacrifice of his son. But, uh, but as far as the mass, the, the, the immenseness of the universe, um, and all that is out there, and we don't even know what is all out there. The Bible doesn't tell us all about that. Uh, one day we'll find out. The heaven is thrown, the earth is this footstool, and so what can we build for him? What can we build for God? Can we build a... Uh, a sanctuary? Could we build a tabernacle? Could we build a temple for God to fit in? Uh, no, actually, he's building one in us, right? He wants us to be his temple. Verse 2, for all these things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So of all the things that God has created, all the things throughout heaven, all the things on this earth, and there's lots of things on this earth, and we haven't even found and seen and searched out everything that's on this earth yet. This is one little planet. We're sending out things to other planets. But then even in the whole universe, God has created all these things. He's made all these things. But the most important thing out of the entire universe, this one thing that God looks at, the one thing that's important to God, the one thing that, that focuses his attention, one thing that catches his heart, is on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. That's what's important to God. And that's the character of God. That's the character of God. That's what God is all about. God left heaven, even in his immenseness, is seated on his throne in the heavens. He left that, came down to this earth, born in a cow stable, became poor physically and poor in heart, and of a contrite spirit, and he trembled at the word of God, at the Torah, at the law of God. And so those who have that same attitude towards God are in tune with God, are in harmony with God. And we say, well, then if that's what God focuses on, and that's what God uh, loves, and that's what God looks upon, then that's how I want to be. The problem is, is we're not that way naturally. If you think you are, well, then, then that's a, a, 
the, the first indication that you're not, right? <laughs> and we're not a poor and contrite spirit if we think, well, hey, I've already got that one down pat. But as we surrender our lives to the Lord, as we surrender daily to him, as we give our lives to him, as we allow him to take our carnal nature, our natural nature that is against him, enmity, even hatred towards him, let him take that, place it in his son, remove it from us, and fill us with his spirit. He gives us his very mind, his very attitude, his very poor and contrite spirit. And then he makes us that way, and he causes us to tremble at his word. And then in comparison, verse 3, he, who, he kills a bull as if it's, uh, he slays a man. He sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. They have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. So I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. We have the contrast. Those that are contrite in spirit and tremble at God's word and those who say, I don't care what God's word says about the offerings. I don't care what God says about the sacrifice. I don't care what God says about the way to heaven. I'm going to do it my own way. I just have a disregard for this. It's just not that important to me. I may go through the ceremonies and go through the round of emotions, the round of activities, but not take it to heart. Verse 4, when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. So rebellion in their hearts. And again, we're all naturally born that way. This is describing all of us in our natural carnal state. We do what we want to do, not what God wants to do. Actually, we do opposite of what God wants us to do. What we want to do naturally is opposite of what God wants us to do. We're just following our heart and we're following enmity against God. We're not listening to him. We don't want to hear from him. We put him off and we do evil in his eyes. Verse 5, hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his words. And now he goes back to those who are trembling. We've got these two parties, these two groups, the only two groups that are going to be in existence those who are in rebellion against God and those who tremble at his word. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my name's sake, and said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but they shall be ashamed. Very revealing text, as we've been looking at again, Isaiah, last day events. Ones who tremble at God's word are going to be hated by the rest of the world. Yeshua was hated, and they will hate us as well. You are hated, your brethren, and it says your brethren hated you. These are professed believers also. In our own household, the Bible says. And they're hating us and saying it's for God's namesake. Claiming they are doing God's service in the book of John. It says they will kill you, cast you out of the synagogue. Saying they are doing God's service. So we're not talking about, the Bible's not talking about atheists here. Not talking about communists here. We're talking about professed believers in God's word. Professed to be our brethren. Professed to be doing it in God's 
name. And saying, let God be glorified while they are hating us. But they shall be the ones that will be ashamed in the end. The sound of the noise from a city, the city, a voice from the temple. Obviously, the city is the New Jerusalem. The sound of the noise from the city, the sound of the last trump, the sound of God coming. A voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, who fully repays his enemy. So he comes with his vengeance, he comes with his trumpet, he comes riding on the clouds with all of his armies. Verse 10, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for her and with her, all you who mourn for her. So we need to have a heart for Jerusalem. We need to have a heart for God's people. Mourning when they are mourning. Mourning when others are suffering. And right now, there are Bible believers being killed and massacred all over the world. And the world spends a lot of time trying to determine whether that was a terrorist act or not a terrorist act. Right? It was in, in, in California this week, a guy happened to be named Muhammad, right? took a knife and stabbed four people, and there they are trying to determine, was this a terrorist act or not a terrorist act? And they determined, it's not, it wasn't a terrorist act. I don't know how they came to that determination. That's what they're all about, but we need to be have a heart for those that are suffering. Again, around the world today, more so than ever before. Professed believers in God's word and believers in God's word are being killed just for believing God's word. We need to mourn with them. We need to have compassion for them. We need to be praying for them. We need to be contacting our representatives here and asking them to do something about it. And we also need to rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. And we need to love her. We need to love God's people. We need to love one another. We need to tremble at God's word. And when we are truly poor in a contrite spirit, we will be doing these things. When we truly have God's spirit in us, when we're trembling at God's word, we will fear him, we will love him, we will love our brethren. We will even love those who hate us and are trying to destroy us. Verse 12, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Isaiah talks a lot about Gentiles coming in as well. God will extend peace like a river. Peace flowing. Like being in an inner tube floating down the river. On a sunny day, cool water underneath you. Feet dangling in the water, just peace, not a worry in the world, not a care in the world, just floating down the river. Peace like a river. That's what God will give us, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what trials you're going through, no matter what troubles you're going through, no matter what hatred's coming upon you, no matter what accusations are coming against you, God can give you peace through it all. Behold, I will extend peace to you like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. As one who is his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. 
God brings comfort to us. Brings comfort in our sorrow. Brings comfort in our grief. Brings comfort to us in our loss. Like a mother. God refers to him several times as a father, a fatherly figure, but also as a motherly figure. There is a difference. Right? God created the, the, the race, the sex is different, right? We're different. Men are different and love differently than, than women. Like a mother, it says. As one whose mother comforts, God will comfort us. God will hug us. God will embrace us. God will be close to us in our time of need, in our time of trouble. Whatever need you're experiencing right now, whatever comfort you're needing right now, claim this promise. The rest of the sermon won't matter to you necessarily. If this is what you're needing right now, just lay hold of this and this is enough here. If you're needing comfort, lay hold of this promise. God, you promised to comfort me. And I'm suffering right now. I am going through a trial right now. I'm going through some struggles right now. I've got some fears right now. I need your comfort. I'm mourning some loss in my life. Husband, father, loved one. Maybe a job. Maybe loss of a limb or loss of ability to do something that you used to do. Whatever your loss is, God will comfort us. Loss of friends, loss of status. He will comfort us like a mother. God is our Heavenly Father. And He will be our Heavenly Mother as well. He will take care of us. He will succor us. He will carry us through our rough times. We are never alone. Promises. So I will comfort you. Verse 14. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. Right, so right here in this one verse, we see again both sides. So tremble at God's word. Make sure that our hearts are right with him. Surrender to him. Because there will be a judgment day. There will be a day of deliverance as well. Verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by sword the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. The Lord comes, he comes like a chariot, flames of fire, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Right? So the chariot comes down and he takes his people and he carries us home. At the same time, that same chariot comes with a flame of fire, so it's a fiery chariot, which is deliverance to those who are poor and contrite in spirit and tremble at his word, who love him, who care and comfort Jerusalem and God's people. That chariot comes down, but that same fire, that same chariot, is a rebuke to his enemies. He comes with his fury and with flames of fire. And we've seen this. We looked at a whole bunch of texts the other week on all the different places in Isaiah and other places where it talks about the fire of the Lord. 
Comes with his fire and he destroys. He destroyed this earth once with water. He comes in the next time to destroy it with fire. He will destroy this earth. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. Separate the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares. The wheat are placed in the barn. The tares are taken, bundled up, and burned. And the slain of the Lord, the Lord will slay them. They'll be consumed. They'll be devoured. They will be no more, as again we read in those many texts. And from 2 Peter chapter 3, the elements will melt with fervent heat. What elements? The earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The Lord comes with his fire, comes with his chariot, comes to take us home, comes to deliver us. We need deliverance because they hate us and they're persecuting us. God comes through. At the last minute, our back against the Red Sea, walled on either side. The enemy's coming at us, but God will come through. Patient endurance on the part of the saints to the very end. He comes through, and his fire will melt this whole earth. He'll burn up all the junk, all the garbage, all the aluminum cans, all the plastic bottles, all the plastic bags, wood, hay, stubble, concrete, blacktop, rubber, all of it, metal, the steel, all of it, he's got to melt it down. I mean, how are you going to get rid of it? You can't bulldoze all this stuff over. He's going to just melt it all away. He's going to burn it all up with fervent heat that'll melt everything. The elements will melt. So hot this earth is going to be. It becomes that lake of fire. The wicked are burned up, the slain of the Lord, covering the earth. As they come up and destroyed, they'll be burned up. Back to Isaiah. Isaiah 66, verse 17. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So that fire, that destroying fire, consumes all who hate the Lord, all who do their own thing, all who hate God's people, all who persecute us, and all who purify themselves and sanctify themselves go to the gardens after idols and who eat swine's flesh. Again, this text is a last day text. So eating pig is relevant right down to the very end. God condemns it right down to the very end, that eating pig and eating mouse. So if you have any frozen mice in your freezer, <laughs> this text should convict you that you need to cleanse out all the mice and rats out of your refrigerator. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So, when the abominations, what God calls abominations, including the swine in all of its various forms, because those who eat it, those who are eating the swine's blood, the abomination in the mouse, will be consumed together with the rest of the elements of this earth, destroyed together. This is what it means to tremble at God's word. And I'd see those who said, oh, well, it's sacrificing. It's like breaking a dog's neck or sacrificing. It's no big deal. Uh, 
taking it lightly, taking God's word lightly. We'll just do it our way. He says a lamb, we'll just use a dog, whatever the case. Doesn't matter anymore. This part doesn't matter anymore. But trembling at God's word, being poor and contrite spirit, says, God, your word says this. I don't care what my taste buds say. I don't care what my neighbors say. You said no. And when we have God's spirit in our hearts, living in through us, we won't want to either. We'll have God's spirit leading and guiding and directing us. And he'll change our taste buds just like he changes our heart from enmity against him to love towards him, from selfishness to caring for others, from hard-hearted and uncaring and make us merciful, loving, prayerful, hating God's word to trembling at God's word, just as he changes all those parts of our minds and our character and our lives, he changes our desires. He changes our taste buds. In every aspect, all things become new. First, Isaiah 65, parallel verse here, from the chapter right before, which also talks a lot about heaven, as we read. I stretched out my hands to a rebellious people. God reaches out even to the rebellious who walk according to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face. How do we provoke him to anger before his face? Who burn incense on altars, who sit among the graves, who eat swine's flesh, who say, I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils. So again, professed believers, having some kind of form of worship, I'm holier than you, sanctifying themselves, purifying themselves, their own methods, their own ways, not the way God's word says, and disobeying God in some very plain and clear admonitions and laws. So twice, in two chapters, right after another. Back to Isaiah 66, verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. Even the intent of the mind and the heart the thoughts, the desires, God can change it all. And it shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. He'll gather us together. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our desires. And God changes that. Right? So salvation is not just, I'm not going to eat that and taping, put tape over your mouth. But God changes our desires, changes our thoughts. Behavior modification. It's heart transformation. It's heart changing. Mind changing. Takes out the mind. Puts his laws into our mind. Puts, let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah. Writes his laws in our hearts. He changes us from the inside. And he knows their works and their thoughts. He knows us. He knows our every being. There's our wants, our desires, our hurts, our pains, our joys. He knows us. He knows our thoughts. He's a step ahead of Google. <laughs> and the NSA. And all these others who are trying to know our thoughts. He really knows our thoughts. So gather us together. Verse 19. I will set a sign among them. And those among them who escape, I will send to the nations. And he sends us out. To the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame, nor seen my glory, they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. So God calls those who escape 
who escaped the corruptions of this world, who escaped the carnal heart, who have been transformed, who have been changed, he then sends us forth to go and tell other people to go to the nations, to go to the world, and all the world can hear of a loving, powerful God who can give us victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over habits, the carnal nature. We will go forth and declare God's glory. Verse 20, Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord of all the nations, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, and I will take some of them for Kohanim and Levites, says the Lord. God here is prophesying. It's not going to be just to the Levitical household that he calls Kohen and Levites. But as we go forth and share God's word, he calls people to come unto him and follow him and to serve him. Verse 22, For as the new heaven and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Amen. So out of the ashes of this fire that he destroys this earthquake, he uses those ashes. We read Satan will become ashes before us, ashes on the face of the earth. He'll turn that ash into beautiful fire, uh, fertilizer for the new heaven and the new earth which he will make and which will remain. It will not go back. It will not become corrupted ever again. We will live in that new herd where there'll be no more death, where there'll be no more sorrow, where there'll be no more mourning, where there'll be no more loss, where we will walk with the Lord, walk with Yeshua, walk with the angels, be with our loved ones forever and ever, and your des our descendants shall remain. We'll be together for all eternity in God's new earth and new heaven. And we'll travel the galaxies and the glory that'll be here. Chapter 65, again, the chapter just before this, this is a very similar verse. It says, uh, verse 17 of chapter 65, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. So Isaiah says this twice. This is for double emphasis. He's going to create a new heaven, new earth. Don't get so tied down to this earth. Get so tied down to this mud here and dirt here and sand here. To the house here, to the car here. To the things of this world. It's going to destroy it all. It's all going to become a heap. He's going to create all things new. A new heaven. A new earth. And it's interesting, he says twice, new heavens and new earth. And back in Isaiah's day, why would say, why do you need a new heaven? You understand the new earth. You know, back then, I mean, they had a lot of pollution. They had some, you know, some old clay jugs that might have broke. You know, I mean, lots of pollution they must have had, you know, back in that day. Maybe a couple stones knocked over a building or something like that. You know, I mean, lots of pollution they must have had. And God was probably going to create a new earth. But in heaven, God knew and foresaw that we're going to pollute the heavens. We're going to have satellites up there and, and space junk up there that he's got to destroy even what's up in the heavens. New heaven even. All the pollutants we have up there too as well. I have to burn all that junk. New heavens and new earth. Make it all new. 
forever. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. We will be glad and rejoice forever, and I create Jerusalem as a joy. An eternal Sukkot, rejoicing before the Lord. Eating and partaking of God's glory. Former stuff will not be remembered or come to mind. An angel might come up to us, or we might be traveling to some distant galaxy, and some created being that's out there will ask us, well, what was it like? How hard was it down there? So, you know, it was like nothing. I mean, it was compared to, the, to heaven, compared to the new heavens and new earth, it's just not even worth remembering. I think a mother in childbirth, right? talking about the pain and all like that, and how horrible, swearing, I'm never going to do this again. Cursing the father. You know. But then after the child is born, and they hold that child, and they're raising that child, they go about and have another kid. <laughs> you know? And so there's another kid. The former things aren't even remembered. The pain isn't really remembered much. And in comparison to 10,000 times 10,000 years, of no less days to sing God's praise, than when we first begun. So this little speck of time, this little sliver in eternity, won't even come to mind. All right, I mean, after living, you know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, how much do we remember from when we were five? You know, the one year when we were five or the one year when we were 10? Well, after we've been in heaven and experiencing the new heavens and new earth for, I don't know, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, five, pick it, whatever, 10,000 years, however long you want. How much are we going to remember out of that 50, 70, 90 years on answer? That'll be nothing. 90 years compared to 10,000. And the 10,000 years of all that we've experienced during those 10,000 years. And all the memories that are built up in that 10,000 years. And that's just the beginning. A 10,000 is like the first day. <laughs> All the former things. So we'll say heaven was cheap enough. Being hated, being persecuted, being ridiculed, being mocked, problems of this world, not eating some swine flesh for a few years. Oh, it was tough, big sacrifice. We'll eat from the tree of life. We'll eat from God's hand. Say, oh, it was nothing. A few sacrifices here. It was nothing. Nothing. Oh, I gave a whole 10% or a whole 20% to the Lord. The Lord gave all. And then he's going to give us all. He's going to give us his new heavens. He's going to give us this new earth. The meek shall inherit it all. Those who are a poor and contrite spirit are going to inherit it all. Become priests and kings with him. Reigning with him. Making us Kohenim and Levites with him. Reigning with him. So we tremble at his word. He makes us strong and powerful with him. When we tremble and bow before God, we'll be able to stand before kings and judges and prelates and presidents and Terrorists, 
to be able to stand and stand strong. And stand for the Lord. We tremble. We fear God. We won't fear anything else. We tremble at God. We won't shake in the face of anything else. And we will have the view ahead of us of the new heavens and the new earth. And so heaven will be cheap enough. We'll say, all oh, that sacrificing, that little bit of sacrificing, it's well worth it. Really was nothing. Heaven is cheap. That's what it took on my part. For me to surrender all, it was, that was nothing. That was cheap. That was chump change compared to what God sacrificed for me to be here in exchange for what God has given us. No eye has seen, no ear heard. We can't even imagine, we can't even picture what it's going to be like. It's going to be better than anything we could ever even imagine. We could ever picture new heavens that will remain forever. And we will be glad and we will rejoice forever. And we will have joy forever. And we will dance before the Lord forever. And celebrate him forever and ever. And never get tired of him. Be no more night there. Never have to even go to sleep. 24-7 rejoicing. Back to chapter 66, verse 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. I mean, that's going to be some Shabbat. We're all coming together to God's throne, the New Jerusalem. Remember, we read we're going to have a country home and a city home. We'll have a home in the, in the New Jerusalem and we'll make a country home that no one else will build and that only we will build and no one else will inhabit. We won't build for anyone else and no one will have to build for us. We'll build our own home. And we'll come from that country home and we'll come to the New Jerusalem every Sabbath. And all worship together at God's throne. Not only us, but all the angels around God's throne as well. And the rainbow around God's throne. And hear the angels sing. When we get to the chorus, the angels will bow their wings when we sing chorus of God's redemption over sin. That only we can sing. The new song. That only we can sing. It's a one Sabbath to another. It also says one new moon from another. So each new moon we will come as well. How many new moons are there in a year? Twelve, right. And it says in Revelation that the tree of life bears twelve manner of fruit. So every new moon, we'll get a new type of fruit, maybe. And that's why we're coming on the new moon, to get our month's supply of fruit from the tree of life. And each Sabbath will come and rejoice before the Lord and sing before the Lord and celebrate before the Lord. And so we'll be celebrating the Sabbath with the Lord for all eternity. God allows us to get a head start right now. He allows us to practice right now. He lets us to enter into that rest right now and to experience his rest and his joy right now. And his Shabbat. And the Oneg Shabbat that God has, <laughs> it'll be good. The best. The best in the universe. <laughs> you don't want to miss an Oneg Shabbat in heaven, right? Be a poor and contrite spirit. And tremble at God's word. 
Then verse 24, and they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of men. Remember again, even Satan, before our eyes. The men who have transgressed against me. So again, the contrast. For their worm does not die, the worm will eat them until there's nothing left. And their fire is not quenched. No one's going to put it out. It's going to burn until there's no more fuel to burn. Until there's nothing left. It's not quenched. It's not put out halfway. Burns until there's nothing left to burn and becomes ashes. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And be devoured. There be no more. So that's the contrast. And we get to choose whom we want to serve, whose side we want to be. That's the clear decision. What we want to be like. Poor and contrite spirit humble before the Lord, trembling at his word, or defiant, doing things our way in contrast to God's way. Loving our brethren or hating them. Being merciful or judging one another. Condemning or kind. Again, the only way we can be righteous, the only way we can be humble, the only way we can tremble God's word is if we have his heart and his spirit. And the only way we can get there is by surrendering and accepting his death in our behalf and our death with him. And so as we pray, if you're needing comfort tonight, God's word promised you comfort. If you're needing hope, you're getting tired of this old earth, and I'm very tired of it. Hold on to the promise of the new heavens and the new earth. God's convicting you of pride or some area of disobedience, some area of hatred, some anger, some bitterness, some wrath. And you want to surrender that as we pray. Just give it before the Lord. There's something you're holding on to on this earth, something you're coveting on this earth. It's all going to burn up. Surrender it before the Lord. Ask him to give you peace like a river. If you're going through trouble and worry and fear and anxiety right now, and you need God's peace, God's word promised us peace tonight. Claim his peace. Claim his salvation. Claim his rest. Or maybe there's some other area that God's speaking to your heart about tonight. As we pray, ask God to meet your need and satisfy your soul. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name and thank you for your word. We're thankful for the clearness of it. And we're thankful, Lord, for the hope that it gives us. Thankful that it makes it plain there are two sides and Lord, we want to be on your side. We want to surrender our lives to you. Take away our carnal heart and our carnal nature and our carnal desires and our hatred towards you and towards others. Our pride and our selfishness. Our desire to do things our way. We want to surrender all to you. Lord, give us your heart and give us your mind. Give us your thoughts. Give us your spirit. Make us poor and contrite before you. Give us a trembling as we read your word. Fill us with your spirit and your strength to follow it and to walk in it. Thank you for the promise of salvation and the promise of new heavens and new earth. Thank you for the promise of a, a mansion in the new Jerusalem. Lord, hold us fast and don't let us be shaken away. Keep our minds focused on you. Through the trials and the hatred and the persecution, Lord, give us faith and courage and sustain us till the end. Give us patient endurance. 
comfort us, meet our needs. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.